Whenever God shows up, it is a disruption. Whenever God shows up, it is not all sort of kittens and yarn balls. Whenever God shows up, because God is mighty in truth and mighty in love, which is to say that the opposite of those things are going to be offended whenever God shows up. So oppression is always going to be offended when we show up. And so God has to do some some amazing, you know, yoga moves just to be in our presence because God is God. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Hey, hey, Bishop. Hey, Melissa. So you're, uh, this week's devotion is called Intervened, and it's talking all about the fact uh, it's Luke 2, right? So we're in the Christmas season right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious about what how you matched up intervened with glory and the angel pushing in to both Mary and Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean I guess intervened is what happens. That's just another that's just another way to think about Christmas, right? That God intervened in human history. Right? That God is not the unmoved mover, right, uh, of our of our academic, uh, you know, teaching. God is not the, um, you know, the one who set, wound up the universe like a clock and then let it run, uh, and, but remained disinterested in its outcome. We believe that God, as some people say, sits high and looks low. Uh, but more than that, we believe that God not only sits high and is the ruler of all the worlds, but cared enough. Uh, as we say in the South, to come see about us. Uh, but not only that, came in a particular form so that all will get a very clear message that there is none beneath the reach of God, none outside and beyond the reach of God. So when, when Jesus shows up, uh, God himself shows up uh, in a nowhere town among some nobodies uh, who have nothing the message is really stunning. Uh, the message is, is that it's not about what you have or your pedigree, your achievement. The message is, is that there is some kind of inherent dignity in humanity that God would want to just come and be alongside and live as one of us. I mean, if I was God, I mean, if God was wanted some advice, I would have gave God some advice. I would said, you know, come among us, but, you know, come to the Four Seasons. You know, come, you know, come to the Ritz Carlton, but God comes among us to nowhere, a nowhere town, uh, such that even in scripture, they say, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, that place, not <laughs> that place. You're telling me that God is that tacky, that God would come from a place where nobody is from and where nobody has ever done anything, that kind of backwater town. And so that's a word of grace to people who live in Appalachia, to the holler. That's a word of grace to public housing. That's a word of grace to people who don't have houses. That's a word of grace to all of us, right? That, that somehow God cares about us and that not only sent a tweet or a text or a TikTok, but sent himself. So I'm struck by the way God intervened, you know, because when we talk about intervention, yeah, it's pretty 
it's pretty bold. It's offensive. It's provocative. It's, yeah. It's it's jarring and jolting. Yep. And yet, I don't. I mean, yes, it was an interruption. We weren't expecting it. God, in in God's grace, came and and did what what God did through the way Jesus lived. Yes. But I, I honestly, recently, I had this conversation with someone who uh, it was a beautiful debate, and we were we were discussing love. What is love? And I was talking about how Jesus. He was talking about how love. If Jesus were here today, he'd be political. And I said, oh, but he was political. Right, exactly. <laughs> Even when he was here. He said, yeah, but no, he'd be more like a Martin Luther King or, you know, a Malcolm X or, you know, people who, who really fought and, and spoke truth to power, right? And I said, I feel like Jesus did do that, but in different ways. I don't know that Jesus sought out power. He didn't march to the Capitol and speak on a hill. But he he witnessed and encountered the belovedness in anybody who sought him out. Yes, he spoke truth to power when he was confronted, but I don't know that he actively went against. And so this person pushed back and he said, yes, but love is action. And I said, yes, and action takes many forms. You've got the Martin Luther Kings, which are great. And you also have the Mother Teresa's. I feel like I wonder about what Christmas means and how many people put parameters around how God might live today and what that means for us. And what does it actually mean to do what Jesus did? Well, let me just say that all the, I mean, you, you mentioned Malcolm X, but Malcolm X aside, you named all these sort of sweet people that we, we now, <laughs> that we now celebrate, the Mother Teresa's and Dr. King's, et cetera, uh, even the Desmond Tutus. And, and we forget that these people were jailed uh, uh, or excluded, they posed a real threat to the established order. Um, and you know, because we have a couple decades between their active ministry and where we sit right now, you know, we we throw a layer of icing over the cake, you know, and make it all sweet and buttery. But that's not the truth. And the truth about Christmas is it is a disruption. I mean, we sit here and we say, "Oh, we welcome the baby Jesus." And- <laughs> Look right. at that manger and that glow, and look at the cow. He's kneeling and <laughs> all that. Silent night, holy right. night. <laughs> yeah. uh, silent, silent night, holy night for whom? Right. right? I mean, for the established order, uh, you know, they were trying to manipulate that circumstance. You know, later on, when the when the when the wise men and no doubt wise women were trying to find the baby, follow the star, etc. They were they were the politicos of the day. Who were trying to find him because he represented a threat to the established order. So, you know, let's start off with Christmas. You know, I, I like the lawyers. You know, the lawyers say the facts of the case. The facts <laughs> of the case are these. Whenever God shows up, it is a disruption. Whenever God shows up, it is not all sort of kittens and yarn balls. Whenever God shows up, because God is mighty in truth and mighty in love, which is to say that. Uh, the the opposite of those things are going to be offended whenever God shows up. So oppression is always going to be offended when we show up. Uh, controlling uh, and, and uh, indifference is always going to be offended when God shows up. You know, all these sorts of ways and the selfishness is always going to be ashamed of itself when God shows up, right? And so this is why we talk about God uh, like light inaccessible. There's, there's this this, this spotlight that comes. And so God has to do some, some amazing, you know, yoga moves just to be in our presence 
because God is God, right? <laughs> so God, God is kind of, kind of, kind of dampen it down a little bit. So the fact that God comes among us as a colonized child, uh, uh, as a child of a day laborer, is an extraordinary yoga move for God, right? So God has to really want to set God's godness aside for a second to be with us and live like us, right? So I want to say that. So, so I don't buy, you know, the saw. I mean, look, Martin Luther King was shot in the head on a balcony on his way to dinner. You don't do that to sweet people. You, right. do, that to, you do that to threatening people. Jesus was That's lynched right. on a hill. Uh, outside the city wall in front of his mama. You don't do that to sweet people, right? So so I think we've got to cast that notion out, right? I think what we've got to decide is, is that you can live out love in particular ways, but if you're going to live out God's love in the world, you're going to offend the world. That's just the bottom line. You just are. And the way we write people off nowadays is that we call them political. Well, the gospel, as I've said a thousand times, is political because the gospel is about people, and that's what politics is about, right? But God is not partisan, so God doesn't give a flip about red or blue. What God cares about is justice and truth, right? And so that is the that is the measurement for all of us, whether we are Republican, whether we are Democrat, whether we are in a political party in another country, right? That is where that is where the measurement uh, uh, taking. Uh, is is happening. And so, yeah, Jesus comes among us and we, we, you know, we make it all sweet and cuddly. And, you know, I suppose to one degree it is. But let me tell you, this kid is a threat. And this kid is going to grow up. And this kid is going to learn his, his, his Jewish Torah. And this kid is going to ask dangerous questions like, why doesn't the real world look like what the prophets said of old? And why do we stand up in church? Why do we stand up in the synagogue and say all these words on Sabbath day? And then on the next day, we live completely the opposite. And, and then we find ourselves back in the sanctuary, acting like we just did all of those good things in the week you know, behind us. And so this is why we had to kill Jesus. And this is why we have to kill all of the prophets, because, because their unrelenting nature to truth offends us. And, and we just can't take it. And look, I'm no better. Uh, if I, I dare say uh, you're no better, we're no better. Um, because, you know, what would you have said uh, uh, when Jesus grows up when he's 33 and, uh, and Pontius Pilate, you know, asks, shall we, uh, shall we let uh, Barabbas go uh, or shall we let Jesus go? And they say, give us Barabbas. In other words, crucify this guy. You know, would we be any different? I mean, I know we're jumping seasons here, but would we have been any different to say Hosanna in one breath and crucify him in the next breath? No, not really. And think about Pontius Pilate for a second, right? You're a high-flying administrator. You got things to do. This nobody from nowhere comes in saying that he's God. You don't want any part of this. You got a high-power lunch coming up. <laughs> you wash your hands of this thing and keep it moving, Right. So the truth of the matter is, we got more in common with Pontius Pilate than we'd like to admit. All of us do, right? But that's not, that's not a condemnation for us. It's just, let's get down to the facts of the case. So we need this baby. If we're going to ever be anything really deep and good and beautiful and ourselves, we need this baby. We need to keep this baby alive. We need to keep this baby at the center of ourselves. Well, we're going to keep talking about this baby after a short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People. 
a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People. Bishop, I'm wondering about the word intervene. Yeah. And I'm wondering about the concept of how we, as Jesus followers, are meant to live a life as Jesus did. So if, uh, I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to reconcile the idea of being an intervener <laughs> with the, uh, the outright disrespectful and often um, judgmental and critical interventions that so many people do in, quote, in the name of the Lord. Yeah. And so I'm trying to reconcile how we might live into intervening while also not being jerks. Well, that's a great question. You know, and, and let me just say, you know, let's pump our brakes here a bit. Uh, I, I think what what I think we will have better results. I know personally I have had better results. I, I, I read that other people have had better results. When I don't race to intervention to somebody else, right? Even right. Jesus cautioned this. You know, you yep. you can't see the thing in your eye. You know, you're so busy looking at everybody else, right? Um, I, I think I think I think what steadies us, and and what gives us the peace that we were talking about, uh, you know, with Maya Angelou, is if I stay centered on how God has intervened in my life. So one of the things I've been thinking a lot about lately is what scripture says that, that God is gentle in correction, mm-hmm. that God is gentle in correction. And I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit brought that to me because I, I needed to spend some time with that. But when I think about the ways in which God has been gentle with me and, you know, through correction, um, inviting me to think about the gaps between what I say and what I do, I think about the way that I discern through the spirit, how God, that God has done that to me, uh, a word here, an encouragement there, some piece of scripture there, a song there to help me understand that I've got to make a change. I've got to make a reversal. I've got to do, so I got to po- apologize, something like that. I, I think that for me, at least gives me more fodder to be with other people than, you know, I've got my little dust say after Lord, now I'm going out with my hammer and chisel changing the world. Because I think that's what happens. I think I want to stay steady on how God, the ways in which God has gently corrected me in my life, the patience that God has shown to me in my own life. And then that gives me something reliable to go out and try to replicate. You know, the truth of the matter is, is all of us have our blind spots and biases, right? And so the intervention that I'm thinking about uh, is the intervention that has happened to me over my life. And, you know, and then, you know, it's almost like that story that Jesus, you know, tells the, the master forgives one man who owes a lot. And then, and then he, he receives that grace and he goes right out and he grabs somebody by the throat and says, Hey, give me the money that, uh, that you owe me. Right. And then the king gets word of that and says, and throws him in jail. So, you know, look, extend to people the grace that's been extended to you. I think that's that's the intervention here. And so uh, I want to think a lot about that. I think that's how I steady myself. And then I think I've become a little bit more, maybe, a little bit more understanding about just how big a driver fear is for people. And so when I get a, a better sense that fear is really driving a lot of bad behavior, 
it gives me a little bit of elasticity in being with people that that are you know committed to vitriol and committed to condemnation and shaming other people etc that gives me a little bit more elasticity because i'm i'm spending more time thinking a little bit more about how they're um what is the driver here what's what's the wounded piece what's the broken piece uh i think this is how jesus gets alongside lots of people uh that he meets walking around galilee and beyond he's somehow able to see you know he sees uh, the the woman caught in adultery who's about to be stoned uh, for someone who has had a, a moral misstep in her life, but he doesn't see that as all defining for her life. Uh, he sees that as a as a step. He invites her to go and sin no more, uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, to to know that there's life beyond you know that behavior, um, and and maybe even those who are about to stone her. Uh, walked away having learned an incredible lesson that this intervention that happened by this wandering rabbi was really a grace to them because they were about to be murderers. Um, and, uh, and they themselves uh, had a long list of their own missteps. It's just that theirs weren't public that day. Right. And well, I think this keeps us going. That it, it's, it's striking to me how Jesus did it, at least in the way I interpret scripture, is that Jesus did intervene on so many people's lives, but but Jesus did it in a way that that reflected the belovedness and the dignity that the person across from him has and and transformed them because of the ways that Jesus interacted with them. It wasn't Jesus wasn't a jerk. And I, I know a lot of people will <laughs> Jesus, a lot of people will like dwell on the fact that Jesus, you know, overturned tables and this tirade and anger about what 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 people were doing in the temple. And yet, that's one story. One story of Jesus losing his temper um, in three years of active ministry. And so I don't know that Jesus was a jerk. <laughs> and so Dr. King said, Dr. King said there can be no great disappointment without first there being great love. And and you know, I I I see Jesus's stern words for the religious community of his day as really being born out of deep disappointment. I think I think um I think he was seeing the gap. He was seeing uh, seeing the temple of his day pay too much attention to the the civil authorities uh, and you know sympathy to them they're trying to keep a people alive in this colonized state but I think that Jesus is oftentimes disappointed um, you know in the letter from the Birmingham jail Martin Luther King uses the word disappointment like ten or eleven times and and then he connects disappointment to love um, because if you don't care then you can't be disappointed. But if you care deeply, you can be disappointed. So I think about those being his, his, his stern words being sort of, and I'm not trying to be too cute here, but I think he's, he's trying to, to, to let them know you're not even being who you are called to be. Turn around, be who you're called to be. You're more than just sort of you know, transactional folks here, right? And God is more than just this transactional thing you're trying to do here at the temple. We have our own transactions we do in the Christian church, right? So rather than throwing the doors of our hearts open and receiving the intervention of Christ, 
you know, we try to play transactional with God. You know, if I if I give a certain amount of money that I'm buying fire insurance, right? You know, uh, or, uh, you know, all those sorts of kinds of ways we, we try to buy off God. You know, I'm going to keep this behavior, uh, but I'm going to do yeah. some stuff over here and then, you know, it'll all come out in the wash. Uh, God is a lot smarter than that. Hey, look, what I, what I really want to say about this intervention piece, and you, I can't believe you, you, didn't, you didn't say it. You didn't catch it. I, I said that <laughs> glory intervened. Uh, and I, yeah, yeah, like the white, like the sequined Elton Like John. a sequined Elton John's concert outfit. I, I can't that. believe you didn't start there. I know, right? I almost did, but I thought, well, maybe Elton John shouldn't, you know, lead. <laughs> Look, you know, I mean, I guess we should end with this. Like, you know, when I think about that night, the night that Christ was born, uh, I don't get caught up in all the details, but I, I try to imagine the glory of that night. And the glory of that night comes in a couple ways. Number one, heavenly host. So, uh, uh, Number one, glory comes as innumerable uh, beings, ancestors, saints showing up, you know, somehow. Uh, And then the glory comes in light, right? This new light. And the only image I could find in my little brain was an Elton John sparkling (laughs) sequin concert jacket. You know, I thought that's an image. But, it's but 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 there's light, right? So there's light, and then the, and then the, the last thing is is that glory breaks in uh, with singing, with singing, and so we we have these we have these these movements that that are all somehow uh, to greater or lesser degrees part of how we make Christmas celebration, and so I, I just I want people to just you know, sort of behold that because that's the intervention just to, just to try to take it in what, what the church uh, continues to say to the world that God has come among us uh, and for no good reason, except that God has loved us and wanted to walk with us as one of us uh, so that we would know the space we occupy in God's heart uh, it's, just, it's an extraordinary intervention, if you want to talk about intervention. It's an extraordinary intervention, demanding nothing, demanding nothing, demanding nothing. Well, thank God for that. And Bishop, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. Holy Christmas to you. Yes. Happy Christmas to our listeners as well. We're so grateful for you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.